May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. The scripture reading this morning is from Luke 9, verses 46 through 48. A dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was the greatest. Jesus, who knew their thoughts, took a little child and had it stand next to him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For the lowliest among you is the greatest. The St. Luke mission statement, which we said together as part of the call to worship, is this. St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, compassionate community. Together we are on a spiritual journey to do justice, make peace, and walk humbly with God. There have been a couple of tweaks to this over the years, but it's essentially the same as it was when it was first crafted 25 years ago when Barbara Batten and I were co-pastors. Oh, by the way, Barbara gave me this cool shirt, I mean tie, oh boy, with the pictures of the children on it. Of course, you saw it 25 years ago, um, too, but you probably saw this coat 25 years ago. <laughs> Many of you will recognize that last phrase from Micah 6, to do justice. In Micah, it's act mercifully over the years it's been changed to make peace and walk humbly with our God. Well, at the time of the conception and crafting of this mission statement, there were two elders on the session at time who objected vehemently to the phrase, walk humbly. Well, that's what Barbara and I said. <laughs> hmm. And I don't recall specific arguments that they used, just that it made them uncomfortable. Well, there are thousands of very troubling verses in the Bible. This isn't one of them. <laughs> this has been a cherished verse of scripture, Micah 6, 8, for 2,700 years. Okay. Well, the session decided to keep the walk humbly in there. And afterwards, Barbara and I joked privately, <laughs> now St. Luke will become the most humble church ever. Similarly, um, a couple years after that, one of the members of the personnel committee asked me, Bill, how do you want to leave your mark on St. Luke? Now, he was a very successful business person. And I said, you know, I've never considered that question before. I'm really not interested in leaving a mark. I just want to be faithful each day to the leading of the Spirit. He was highly unsatisfied <laughs> with that answer. Now, 
All three of these gentlemen, the two elders and the personnel committee member, have all entered the church triumphant. Maybe they're listening in. I don't know how that works. But if you are, you do know that I love you very much. Guys, I, I do. We were, we were good friends. We just didn't always agree, but that's okay. Um, let me also say that the St. Luke of 2024 no longer has that arrogance about it which is a good and faithful thing. Luke 9, an argument arose among the disciples that which of them was the greatest, but Jesus, aware of their inner thoughts, took a little child and put the child by his side and said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for the least among all of you is the greatest. When I was Growing up, and early years of adulthood, my goal was to be U.S. Senator from Minnesota. Partially because I wanted to change the world, and partially because I wanted to be a big deal. <laughs> Senator W. Randall Chadwick IV. Thought it had a nice ring. No one else did. <laughs> Obviously, I never got to be a big deal, though I did get to be pastor of St. Luke Presbyterian Church and Oak Grove Presbyterian Church, two of the very finest congregations in our denomination. So I got to be kind of a medium deal. In fact, one of my pastor friends said to me when I was pastor here, he said, oh, Bill, man, I'm jealous. I would climb up and over your back using knives to get to be the pastor of St. Luke. <laughs> okay, I got the picture. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I didn't get to be senator, but actually I just turned 71 years of age, which as some of you have heard me say, means I'm almost old enough to run for president. <laughs> Back to the scriptures. Jesus' definition of greatness is humble service. By this definition, let me briefly tell you the stories of eight great people. Do you know the name Greg Boyle? Father Greg Boyle? Any of you? If you don't, I envy you because you have this ahead of you. His first book, Tattoos of the Heart, is perhaps apart from the Gospel of Luke, my favorite book I've ever read. Father Gregory Boyle has been working in the barrios of Los Angeles for decades with various ministries helping young Latinos get out of gangs. And his book, again, Tattoos of the Heart, is so engaging with stories of hope. Now, Father Greg Boyle is a great man, but he's not the one I'm thinking of. It's someone he writes about in his book, a man named, well, back up. He had a young man named Anthony who wanted to get out of the gang culture and violence and he wanted to be a mechanic, an auto mechanic. And so Father Greg went to his own mechanic, a man named Dennis, and explained why he should take on Anthony as an apprentice. And Father Greg says, I, I just was pulling out every stop. I was trying to use every argument I could come from and 
and Dennis just stood there with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and listening quietly. And finally, I, I just gave up, and I looked at him to see what his response would be. And Dennis said, I will teach him everything I know. And Anthony became a mechanic. It was ticket out of poverty and danger and violence. That mechanic, Dennis, is a great man. Second great person, Stella Mamalakis. I was 21 years and old, 20 year, 21 years old, an incoming student at San Francisco Theological Seminary. A long way from home. First time I'd been away from home. St. Olaf College doesn't really count. <laughs> Came home every weekend just about. And if you recall, long distance calls home were not free in those days. I did not know one other student there. And most of the students were from California. And most of them were older than I was. And I thought they were paragons of cool and sophistication, where I was a poor, shy farm boy from Minnesota, or back east, as they called it. <laughs> I never thought of Minnesota as east, but I guess it depends where you're standing. So. Stella was the secretary for the director of student services, and as such, she had contact with, a lot of this, with all of the students all of the time. Stella Mamalakis was a plumpish, gray-haired woman with a ginormous heart. And she was always full of encouragement, a listening ear, encouraging hug, frequently cookies. And we called her Mama, Stella Mamalakis, and she was our Mama, away from the heart of the center. I'm not at all confident that I would have made it without Mama, which means I wouldn't be standing here. I'd be back on the farm. <laughs> Third, my biking buddy, Jim. You know people that are smooth and suave, always look like a million bucks? It's not Jim. It's not me either. He's a wonderful friend. He has way more friends than I do. But here's what makes him great. After a career in real estate, he became a special education teacher in the Osseo School District, dealing with some of the most dysfunctional families in the Twin Cities. I couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. Now, Jim was horrible. He's retired now. He's horrible at the paperwork. And there's a lot of paperwork. He almost got fired because of the paperwork. But I know that he was a warm and gentle, accepting presence in the lives of these kids who had very few of those. Jim is a great man. He usually sits over there, Jim Hayden. I didn't ask him permission because I know he would not have given it to me. <laughs> Father Mike Tegeter. He was a priest at St. Edward's Catholic Church when I came to Oak Grove in Bloomington. There were churches were about a mile apart. And I met 
Father Mike the first month I was there at the Ministerial Association meeting, and I could see that Father Mike was a straight shooter. And a few days after I first met him, in the strip was published a letter to the editor by Father Mike Tegeter, highly critical of then-Bishop Neinstead. And I thought, ooh, this is take some chutzpah. So I went on his blog, Father Mike's, and it was full of criticisms of the Catholic hierarchy. And when I saw him the next month at the Ministerial Association, I said, Mike, do you want to get sent to Siberia? <laughs> he was very serious. He said, no, I really don't. I love it here at St. Ed's. I've been here 10 years. This is my home. I have five more years to retirement. I so hope they let me stay five more years. They did not. He was transferred almost immediately to two of the poorest, toughest Catholic parishes in the state of Minnesota, where he served with love and compassion, but two years later was dead from cancer. Did not get to retire. But as he told me at the time, I first said, do you want to get to go to Siberia? He said, I don't, but I have to tell the truth. Great man. An example from my last congregation, again, Oak Grove in Bloomington, they have a beautiful and large church building. And the Building and Grounds Committee does a terrific job of upkeep, taking care of all the machinery, the air conditioners and everything else. The one hole in there competence was dusting. <laughs> For some reason they couldn't get volunteers or pay anyone to do the dusting. I don't like to dust, but it really bugged me that it always needed dusting. Finally, a recently retired nurse named Janet, a very, very introverted person, came to me and said, I can dust. I just about, you know, it's really happy. And so every two weeks, she dusts the whole first floor. And it's, it's a big building. Not only that, then she decided she would, she heard about the oldest couple in our congregation had been married 75 years, and he finally gave up driving before the accident. It's just an encouragement to all of you <laughs> and me. And she said, well, I can give them a ride to church. She lived a mile from the church. They lived four miles in the opposite direction. But every week, she gave them a ride to church for about eight years until finally um, the man died this year at age 103. That's a great person, Janet. Next to also from Oak Grove, a married couple. The wife works full-time as a hearing specialist. In her spare time, she was one of the seven women who heard about a need, the surprising number of homeless youth living in the southwestern suburbs. And those seven women got together and worked and raised money and created Oasis for Youth, a tremendous organization serving the homeless youth in Edina, Richfield, and Bloomington, of which there are way too many. Believe it or not. Frank, her name 
is Bev, his name is Frank, their last name is Bliss. <laughs> Frank was for years a special ed teacher and then retired. And they were involved in so many ministries over the years, most of which we didn't know about. They also truly lived by Gandhi's injunction to live simply so that others may simply live. They never owned their own home, they always rented. They had crappy cars until electric cars came out and then they bought a Nissan Leaf because of the environment. They had one birth child and then they adopted, uh, chose to adopt a special needs child and then another and another, eventually eight. They're all grown now. The youngest son and daughter were in the youth group at Oak Grove when I was there. The other kids were all out. But the son, Michael, he was a live wearer. And he told the story about one day when he was about 10 years old, he thought it would be really interesting to build, to dig a big hole in the backyard. He did not ask for permission. You know, we all know about that. Better ask for forgiveness than permission. So he got the shovel out and started digging. And it turns out that Michael was a natural at hole digging. And by the time his father came home from work that afternoon, father came, uh, Bev said, uh, hey, see what Michael's been up to. Take a look at the backyard. And Frank went out there to find a hole eight feet wide and four feet deep in the middle of the backyard. And Michael says, this is what my dad said to me. He said, Michael, that is the most amazing hole I have ever seen anyone dig by hand. You are an amazing person. Kind of don't think that would have been my reaction. <laughs> so if you look up the word humility in the dictionary, there are their pictures, Frank and Bev Bliss. The staff at Oak Grove, we called them, not to their face, but behind their back, we called them Jesus and Mrs. Jesus. And clearly in 45 years of ministry, I have never known anyone so responsive to the minute by minute call of Jesus on their lives. Now, not everyone is called to adopt a special need. Final one is an example from my first congregation in Stillwater. Mrs. McCormick, through the years, lifelong member of that church, had been every office about could be. She was a deacon, she was president of the Women's Association, she was the Sunday School separate superintendent for I think 45 years, something like that. And did all of this with competence and with good cheer and everybody loved her. By the time I came to the church, she was old and frail, bedridden. I went to visit her in her home one day and we just had a wonderful chat. And before I left, she reached for the church newsletter, which was on her bedside table. And she said, Pastor Bill, you know that I used to 
be real active in the church, but I can't do that anymore. My health doesn't allow it. But here's what I do do. You see, on <clears throat> Sunday morning, when you and Pastor Merle Lee worship, I'm praying for you. And on Monday evening, when you're teaching the Bethel series teachers, I'm praying for you. And Wednesday evening, when you've got all those youth club kids, I'm praying for you. And on Sunday night, when you have the high school youth group, I am praying for you. That is a great church member. Greatness is not how many Facebook friends we have. It's not about what kind of grades we get or how many degrees are on our wall. It's not about the money we make. It's not about having perfect kids or being a perfect kid. It's not about being a big deal. In the Jesus business, the definition of greatness is humble service. I call and challenge you to greatness. Amen? As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.